from way downtown. Bang! Welcome into Beers and Buckets. We have new drops. We have new everything. I feel like uh, we have new graphics, new whatever you want to call it, but I'm excited. I have a new microphone, so that's why I'm really excited. I also got a new computer and camera, so I actually can record and Dal can see my face this time. So Dal, how you doing, man? Good. I was on time today, which is new, and I have a beer and I'm am prepared for the podcast which is also new so new stuff all around Uh, it's a new era in the beers and buckets (laughs) podcast i'll tell you what uh so i actually went through the calendar today and we have content for you guys from now until like september uh the end of september so really october will be preseason stuff we'll talk a little bit about preseason stuff and and all that jazz, but we literally have content for you guys. We're going to have a new guest on or try to have a new guest on every week from now until October, which is incredible. Uh, but today we have on Russ Steinberg. He uh, he is from boardroom.tv. He used to work for SB Nation. He's going to talk about UConn hoops with us in a little bit. But I got to ask from the jump, Dow, this NBA playoffs is getting real. Western Conference Finals, finals Eastern Conference Finals. Let's recap what we what we just saw. The Mavs absolutely destroyed the sevens. Were gross. This is the worst game sevens ever. But I do have a question for you: Has the Suns window closed for for a championship? No, Jesus, no. I'm like, oh, it hasn't closed. It could close. Yeah, that and that's that's where I'm I'm at. I don't think it's closed completely. I think they have a deal with DeAndre Ayton. Just haven't announced it yet. Uh, it's pen hasn't been put to paper, See, but I disagree. I think they sign and trade him. Really? That's interesting. Where do you think he goes? Um, I could see. So depending on, and we'll talk lottery later, but depending mm-hmm. on what Oklahoma city wants to do their deal for, sh- uh, they're like mega, not mega. Uh, they're like rookie max for yeah. Shay kicks in next yep. year. So that. I'm curious if that starts their window and they trade for Aiton, who would be starting like on the same timeline. That would kind of give them a a timeline there. And the really the thing they need, they have a ton of wings, and they have Giddy and Shea. I could see them making a move. I could see Portland making a move for him. Um, honestly, he fits like pretty well a lot of places, and he was questionable in this Mav series. Honestly, yeah. the Mavericks make a lot of sense for him too. It, I feel like they there do. are a lot of places that that he could go um, for places that have the Grizzlies make a lot of moves. Yeah, I, like, I, I feel like they can make it. He would work, work there. I just don't know if they have the like space. They yeah. need to replace Dylan Brooks before they work on. That's um, very true. Yeah, we talked enough about the Suns and Mavs. They destroyed them in Game Seven, the most disappointing Game Seven, which I didn't think. Like after the Celtics and Bucks, like I didn't I think there say. could be a more disappointing Game Seven until the Suns and Mavs. Obviously, the uh, Bucks Celtics have to be so happy. The Bucks have to be so happy that the Suns went out and got even more embarrassed <laughs> than they did because no yeah. one is talking about how the Bucks just completely got like boat raced in oh, yeah. Game Seven because the Suns one was worse. Um, yeah, absolutely. But uh, like, and the thing about the Bucks is at least they had somebody that was doing something that was trying you know like Giannis is doing everything he could 
just needed more help. And obviously Middleton being injured, that is, is a huge deal. Uh, so yeah, like just Celtics and Bucks, this we're watching. I mean, currently you and I are watching the heat just kind of dismantle the Celtics right now, which I did not expect like this, but it's, uh, it's fun to watch, uh, to say the least. We also had the Warriors fend off the jawless Grizzlies, uh, in game six there. So that was, that was inspiring. Obviously I'm a big Warriors fan. Everyone can call me bandwagoner. I just love watching Steph and Clay, and I, I like listening to Steph's podcast, and it's, it's great. If you don't have Audible, you should go get it. And then the Heat handled the Sixers, obviously. So we kind of recap everything that's gone from the last round. We're in the conference finals rounds now. You have Warriors versus Mavs. Who do you have and how many games? I'm going to go I'm gonna go Mavs, Mavs in seven, and I'm going to go Heat in – I'm gonna go Heat and set. Uh, yeah, I will go Heat and seven. I just don't see Boston losing at home in that game six. It's kind of a cliche, but the like, I mean, it just is gonna come down to who hits shots. The yeah. Mavericks and the the Celtics both won a lot of their games because they were just able to not get abused on mismatches. Because the playoffs a lot of times just comes down to hunting mismatches, and they yeah. minimized their the mismatches that other teams could exploit on their end, and they got somewhat streaky shooters to be able to hit threes. Yeah. And if the Mavs and the Celtics can do that, again, I think that's kind of what the series comes down to. I just trust the Heat to be able to kind of counteract that more so than I think the Warriors can, just because Luka's so good, dude. Yeah, Luka is really good. good there, there's not basketball. one person on the Warriors that I would be like, yeah, he could put the clamps on them. Like, there's just not one person. I think I think he's just too good at basketball I think what you, what the Warriors do is they let Luca do Luca things and they try to shut everybody else down is probably the game plan that I think they're going to have. Um, also, like there's not one person on the Mavs that I think can stop Steph Clay and Poole. Um, so we'll, we'll see what we'll see happen there. I have Warriors in seven. I have Heat in six. I think I think the Heat are going to get a, the benefit of a whistle here or there. Um, we will save our predictions for the finals, obviously, uh, not next week because it's probably going to still be going on next week, but the the week after. Sure. But I'm I'm excited for it. I think this has just been this is good for the league when you have two teams that were in the finals last year not in it, and so you're having fresh teams join the finals there. I think that's just good for the league in general. Uh, so keeping on NBA talk, do you know what happened tonight, Dal? The unthinkable happened. The the thing that hasn't happened since 2004. What's that, Connor? The freaking Magic got the number one pick, baby. And I am so excited, man. I literally was in fourth grade the last time the Magic had the number one pick. Uh, we've been absolute cheeks since then. Obviously, we went to the finals in 2009 and they got just manhandled by uh, the Black Mamba himself. But I, I just... I just never thought it would happen. I I went into this draft lottery thinking that we'd come away with like the sixth or seventh pick. Uh, so the fact that get, they got the, number the one fifth pick, pick in a four person draft. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much what it is. That's what it was last year. And I just, I thought last year was our best chance at getting a number one pick. We got the fifth pick. So I was like, this year I had, I went in with low expectations and they were only raised. So it, it was incredible. Um, but is there any kind of uh, picks? I mean, we could, I'm, I'm pulling up the, order now so that way we know exactly what the order is and we'll share it so 
number one is Magic, number two, Thunder, number three, Rockets, number four, Kings, number five, Pistons, number six, Pacers, number seven, Trailblazers, number eight was Lakers, but it's mid-move to the Pelicans, number nine, Spurs, number 10, Washington Wizards, number 11, Knicks, uh, the, it was the Clippers, but it got moved to the Thunder, so they have the 12th pick, and then the Hornets and Cavs. So that's the lottery uh, for for the 2022 draft. Is there any team that you feel like got the shaft here uh, that that they probably tanked or you know they they deserved a higher pick and they kind of got the shaft here? I mean, it was a pretty chalk for the most part, right? I feel like the Detroit is probably the big loser. Yeah. Um, just because there are, and they have a ton of holes, so it's not like that they are really in a position. I mean, they're fine yeah. to pick whatever the best player is, but it would have been super cool if they would have gotten one of the top three picks to be able to get one of the the three big forwards because I don't see them sl- like any one of the three of Chet, no. Jabari, Paolo sliding to them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was a pretty chalk lottery for the most part. Yeah, like, I agree Everything with that. on the... Like, I think the Pacers from, maybe could have moved up a little bit, but all things from, considered, from seven on, know. from seven on though, aren't those all the spots that they were supposed to be? Uh, it seems like it. I'm pretty sure, yeah. So, well, let's do this. Let's go through our order. Uh, last week I had the odds, so I'll take the evens because I also want to hear your unbiased opinion for the number one pick here. So, let's do let's do like how we did last week, except for I'll t- I'll do the evens, you do the odds. So, with the number one pick, the Orlando Magic select who. Chet Holmgren. Punch I think he has the highest face. upside is one. Uh, I mean, he also played high school and college with Jalen Suggs. And I think with all of the guards that you have, you need a play finisher. And I feel like that Chet Holmgren is an elite play finisher, either from like a kind of rim running, putting pressure on the rim. He's not big enough really to do that yet, but should be able to. Yeah. Or a shooting perspective. I think that he is the best fit to put around the guards that you have just gotten to, to like to maximize their development. And you also have Jonathan Isaac and Franz Wagner that play that more, play more at the four. That is closer to what jabari smith plays um i think it's between those two though uh, yeah i definitely think it's pretty clear i I could see them going for paolo like honestly i don't think there's a wrong pick here i think the upside i think paolo is the wrong pick you think he's the wrong pick why do you think that he's just of the three i think he might be the best passer for sure but he is just too much of a ball stopper in my opinion he likes to kind of catch and survey the floor yeah um which I don't know. It just kind of makes me question his fit a little bit next to a bunch of guards that are um, that you need to develop. So, I mean, that's fair. I guess I say wrong pick. Like, I don't think there's really a wrong answer. I don't think Powell there's a really, wrong really pick. So, yeah, yeah. I, I we'll definitely don't check, think we'll there's a wrong check, pick. Yeah, I, that's fair. All right. So, with the second pick, then then we'll have OKC taking Jabari Smith. I think that's I think that's the guy they go for. I think they really would want Chet Holmgren, but they can't get him. Uh, I think you agree on that, that you said last week that they would, I feel like Chet and Poku would be together, but Jabari Smith is, is a good choice here for them. Shay and Jabari would be a movie, dude. I would be, I would be really happy to watch that together. Um, That'd be really good. Yeah. But also like, 
it, it leaves the Rockets set up for either getting Paulo or Jabari, but both of those guys would be incredible for the Rockets. I, I feel like right. it's a safe pick. What we really need is we need Shaden Sharp to get the, be the pick here so that we can get Jalen Green and Shaden Sharp just putting on a dunk contest every day, <laughs> being just stupid uber-athletic. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it's going to be kind of chalky, but I mean, I think Paolo is the pick here. They have Christian Wood, but he's has one year left on his deal. I think Jalen Green is really the only person, I guess Shingun kind of and Garuba that they both took. Uh, they're probably guys, but you, you're not – Jalen Green is the only person that you are taking into consideration yeah. when you're making this pick, yeah. in my opinion. And you could definitely play them together. of where Jalen Green plays – Jay and I was probably more of a point guard, but still, like, I, I think Jalen Green is the only person that you are saying, like, we are making this decision with him in mind, so yeah. Paolo has to be the pick. Yeah, Paolo, Paolo is definitely the pick. So with the fourth pick, then, this is going to be this is gonna be hot takey, uh, but we, we are trusting the Sacramento Kings to do the right thing, and they just won't do the right thing. <laughs> we just know that. Uh, so they're going to take Keegan Murray uh, with the fourth pick. I think they're going to, they're going to, it's not a super reach. I mean, Jaden Ivey is a consensus fourth pick, like on every draft board and every mock, everything I've seen. Uh, but now with the the Kings taking him, I think they they want to they're probably going to put him uh, take him with the fourth pick and use him as a three uh, to play along with uh, Sabonis. That's probably what's going to happen. Man, this pick is difficult. This is a tough pick. The fifth pick is is definitely a tough pick because we've talked about this. It's like. You hit the home run with Cade Cunningham. Obviously, you couldn't really go wrong uh, with that pick. So you hit the home run with Cade Cunningham. You have Killian Hayes on your team. Do you reach and go for Shaden Sharp here with the fifth pick? We're we're doing it. We're yes. This is the move, I just, though. I just I don't I don't love Jaden Ivey and his like. I mean, he's a fine shooter, but he's not a knockdown shooter. So I don't really love the fit there. Yeah, with him. Uh, <clears throat> I will not believe in AJ Griffin, who I said shoot has a wider base in the Amazon River Basin. Uh, whenever he shoots, I was pretty proud of that one. That was uh, a good one. Chat. That was a good uh, one. Thank you, thank you. Uh, no, we're going for Shane Sharp. They have a long term plan too. Like I don't think they're trying to compete anytime soon. They'd be fine probably being in the same position as they are this year, next year. Um, so. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go Shaden Sharp, and we'll give the Sixers the sixth pick. Uh, with the sixth pick, Indiana takes the hometown hero and takes Jaden Ivey. I think, I think you play him. You could play him with Halliburton uh, together, and it'd be fine. And I just yep. think that I mean that he just fell in their lap. It's kind of like at the time what we thought Mo Bamba fell into Orlando's lap. That this is exactly what happened. Is that you had a team reach or go, you know, go up. Uh, with a player that was totally you weren't totally sure about, so yeah, the Pacers get Jaden Ivey fall in his lap in their lap. That's perfect. Hal Burton's ability to play the one and shoot to be able to play off the ball if you want to move Ivy to the one, uh, yeah, makes them really in a great interchangeable piece. I mean, it's honestly like the like the De'Aaron Fox, Hal Burton, and how that was a good fit before they decided it wasn't. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. It, they just decided it wasn't a good pick until when they got Davion Mitchell. But it's like, why would you take Davion Mitchell when you had Halliburton and Fox? <laughs> so I don't know, brother. Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> for the port, 
Portland Trailblazers. I'm looking at their man, I would love if Keegan Murray would have fallen to them. I'm going Ben Matherin at seven. Safe. It's a good pick. I like I like Ben Matherin. I thought they need this the is also this is they also one of those things. Defense. Yeah, this is one of those things where we expect the team to do right by their franchise point guard. I feel like they <laughs> they probably won't. Uh but like I feel like they like they could easily take AJ Griffin here. Uh and then just be like, oh we're going all in on AJ Griffin. Uh and just feel like he wouldn't be that great there. Uh that's just me. Uh but this I can see them taking yeah. This falls too well though for the Pelicans to be able to get another dookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Pelicans. Yeah, they're taking AJ Green here. I could see them maybe, maybe going for Dyson Daniels, but but AJ Griffin is the is the pick here. They can't. With... They can't. They can't. Uh, they can't pass up the ability to get another Duke player. No, no, no. That and he would he would be solid to back up Brandon Ingram, and just add more depth to their bench for sure. So, all right. So with the um, ninth pick, who do the San Antonio Spurs take? I think. I think they go Jalen Duran. They need a big. Yeah. If they didn't have so many, like, kind of two, three wings, if DeJounte Murray wasn't kind of big for a point guard, too, I feel like they could look for Tari Eason there just because they love defense. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think they go Duran. That's but fair. The 10th pick with the Wizards. I, th- I think they go Dyson Daniels. Uh, not that he's, like, I think he's incredibly – you know, high in this draft, like he's listed at the eighth on Tankathon. I just think that they're gonna ro- they're gonna roll with Bradley Beal, and they're gonna get Dyson Daniels ready when they're ready to trade Bradley Beal for to a contender. So yeah, who who are the Knicks taking with the eleventh pick? Honestly, Dyson Daniels, I think would be the pick if he if he makes it there. Um, I think they want a point guard or at least a playmaker, but I feel like they probably didn't expect Johnny Davis to be here. And they also do dumb things. So, yeah, I'm going to go Johnny Davis. Uh, I'm not super high on him, but he could theoretically, they probably think he could handle the ball some. He can yeah. handle the ball fine. He's just not a, huge, a great playmaker. Um, but we'll go we'll go him for now. Uh, this gives us the second Oklahoma City pick in the, in the lottery at number 12. That's tough. They still need uh, backcourt depth or frontcourt depth so bad. So it's like, do they go Tari Eason or do they go Mark Williams? I think they would probably end up going with Mark Williams, who has a little bit more um, height to him, a little bit more weight to him. But I think Tari Eason would be better. Uh, but we're also expecting the Thunder to do the right thing. And they, they would rather probably just trade this for another future pick if we're being honest, but they, they have to play, take somebody. So they're taking, uh, they're taking Mark Williams uh, with the 12th pick. So with the 13th pick, then who are the Hornets taking? I think they're taking our boy. I'm going to go Tari Eason here, even though they need bigs more than anything, but with Mark Williams off the board, I do not think that they will. I just like can't give them another white center that was good in college that is questionable on how he translates to the <laughs> I just can't do it, man. So I'm going to go Tari um, Eason. Uh, that's funny. He, he gives, makes them a lot more switchable and uh, allows them to play smaller a lot more efficiently uh, as well. Him and Miles Bridges can kind of be the 3-4 rotation there. Um, I think they only have Kelly Ubre for one more year. So I'm going to go Tari Eason here. 
I dig it. Um, I'm going to butcher the name, but I feel like the Cavs are going to go international here. Go with the small forward from France, Usman Jiang. Is that how you pronounce it? Usman Jiang. Yeah, he plays for the, the Breakers. Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be the pick here uh, for the Cavs because I know they have – what's his name from Auburn? Why am I drawing a blank? Isaac Okoro. Yes. Yes, I know they have him. I just feel like – all right, so you look at, like, their roster. I feel like they have depth everywhere, but they're just not – like, they still haven't put it all together. But you don't get another – like, you don't need another big man because uh, you have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And you yep. have Kevin Love, and they're probably going to trade him to a contender soon, right? Because he's just not happy. Mm, you, you don't he think so? He seemed happy this year. Um, seem happy. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they trade him, but I wouldn't also be surprised if they if they keep him. Yeah, they probably need some um, backcourt depth, but it's tough because like you don't want to take minutes away from Sexlin because uh, Sexlin is just the best combo that I, i've seen in the eastern Con- eastern conference i love them so much uh, i love that their name is sexland so uh but i do i do love me some darius, darius garland and uh some colin sexton and and you just want to keep those guys on the court as much as possible and so with a lottery pick i feel like they're just going to add another wing another person to kind of throw uh in rotation there he's six nine so he could play the power forward if he needs to average 15.3 points a game and 5.4 rebounds so He's got, he's got the goods where he can he can be um, a solid bench piece, and then if he plays into a starting spot, like go for it, you know. Uh, but yeah, so that wraps up our our lottery projections after the draft order, and I'm still over the moon so much so that I want to open a beer. It's time for the beer review, Dal. What are you drinking That's tonight, good. man? So I am drinking a it is a brewery. Uh, called mad tree that is based out of cincinnati cincinnati has a lot of good beers uh for anyone in the area uh this is their ramble on it's a low calorie citrus ipa so i think it's only like 105 calories which is kind of wild for an ipa it is i think only four percent alcohol which is probably why it is only 105 calories has a 3.5 on untapped i saw you threw that in there uh so i figured i would throw mine as well so let's see I mean, definitely you can taste the hops, but it's super light compared to, you know, what you would expect from an IPA. Uh, That's not bad. Pretty standard IPA, just on the lighter side. I think it said it was only like a 30, it was either 30 or 40 uh, IBU, too, so it's pretty light compared to to normal IPAs. Uh, Not super crushable. I mean, on the IPA scale, are we doing IPA crushable or let's do both? All, all the way crushable. <laughs> on the IPA crushable scale, it is incredibly crushable. Okay. It's probably still kind of middle of the pack uh, to maybe slightly below average on the overall crushable scale. No, yeah, it's it's pretty good though. I I'll go with I'll go with Iowa State as my as my comparison. They will surprise you on occasion. You'll be pleasantly surprised. It's nothing like that. They're they're not going to make like a super deep run. It's not super super bold, but um, it's they'll surprise you uh, every once in a while. So I'll go Iowa State. I dig it. 
I think they had the worst G-I. offense. They had the worst offense this year. Basketball. It was so it was bad. Really not good. It was really bad. Um, I am drinking. I've had this before. My brother-in-law, um, he works at Disney Springs and he took me like we went over there at Christmas time and uh, we went to this uh, you know, brewery, whatever. It wasn't actually a brewery. It's just I forget the city works. I think is the name of it uh, there in Disney Springs. But he's like, you've got to try the You're My Boy Blue. It's uh, by Brew Bus. It is a blueberry wheat ale. It's 5.3% ABV. It's a 3.6 out of 5 rating on untapped, so kind of in the middle. Um, it's incredibly tasty, though. Like, I had it there on draft. It's different on draft than in the can. I think I'd like it more in a can, to be honest with you. Uh, it literally tastes like I'm drinking a blueberry muffin or blueberry pancakes or, you know, whatever blueberry. It's not I've, – I've reviewed a blueberry wheat ale on this before. It's called Blue Paw by – sea uh, dog brewing that's good this one is better um so and sticking with the theme of just overall incredible blue things uh you know with the magic taking the number one pick i'm just gonna go with um the last number one pick that we had as a as the magic which was dwight howard so sticking with that uh it's incredibly tasty uh you know with dwight howard he was just incredible from the drop from the jump um sad how things left you know how he left the team but it is what it is this thing this you're my boy blue will have a long run in uh beard lore once it gets popular <laughs> uh because that's the thing about dwight howard is like he was good but like you just be in the magic and a small market team he his popularity wasn't super uh wasn't super high among the league from what i can remember obviously this is pre-social media uh but so now all that all that considered you're my boy blue is going to be great. Uh, you should definitely go try it if you can find it anywhere locally. Uh, Cause like I said, I promise you, it's like drinking a, a blueberry muffin and uh, makes me want to eat a blueberry muffin. So, uh, but that, that is what I have for tonight. So with that, we are going to move on to our interview with Russ here in just a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, Russ, thank you again for coming on, man. So we wanted to get to know you before we talk anything about UConn. Uh, so I have to ask the question from the jump. How did you get into covering men's hoops or sports in general? And uh, how long have you been doing it? Yeah, so I've been covering basketball in, in some form or another since college. So that's where I graduated almost 10 years ago now. Um, and I started uh, because my first job really uh during college was with sb nation uh just as a copy editor and college basketball has always been my number one my favorite sport uh so when writing opportunities came up that's kind of where i gravitated towards um so 
you know, through SB Nation, I had a chance to cover basketball for for a long time. Um, and because that was all part time, I was able to do, you know, UConn stuff on, on the side with with a couple of blogs. And that's more of, you know, for the love of the game than, than for the paycheck. But that's, you know, that's just how it is. Um, and, and that's what I did on, on a part time basis, really, until uh, August of last year when I got a full time job at, at boardroom where I am now. Awesome. So, yeah, I actually reached out through the Beers and Buckets account to Mid-Major Madness to see if they knew of anybody to cover Yukon Hoops. So that's who connected us was Mid-Major Madness uh, through SB Nation. So that's that's really cool. Um, so, I, I mean, we kind of know your favorite NCAA team at this point, I think, is Yukon, right? You're a fan and you covered them. <laughs> uh, what about the pros? Who do you root for when it comes to pro sports? Well, I, I just outed myself as someone who works for Boardroom, which is owned by Kevin Durant. So I, I think I need who? to say the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but <laughs> really, across sports, I, I root for the New York teams. Like the, okay, the Nets, cool. I root for them. I root for the Knicks. Uh, not not as uh, passionate about the pro game as I am the college game, uh, just because college basketball eats up so much of my time during the season. Yeah, that's uh, fair. That yeah. The NBA get, gets kind of tough to follow sometimes. Yeah. There's so many games too. It's so hard to yeah. keep up. I'm with you. I'm with you 100% on that. Yeah. Uh, any other sports that you you cover or you just find interesting or you you follow really closely? Or is college basketball your number one? Well, college basketball is my number one, but uh, I'm also a big baseball fan. I've got the Yankees on right in front of me. Uh, oh yeah. At, as well, I'm a big Yankees Who, fan. Who's your favorite Yankee? I mean, I have to say Aaron Judge, even though that's the no, easy don't. answer. Like that's like saying Derek Jeter like 15 years ago, <laughs> yeah. um, but but it is Judge. Like that's sorry that that that's who it is. But um, I I'm, a, like, I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm a Cardinals okay. fan. But uh, Giancarlo Stanton and Joey Gallo before they even got to New York were two of my favorite non-Cardinals. Uh, mm-hmm. So those are uh, Stanton. Stanton's fun. Yeah, I yeah, love as getting a Rays fan. Oh. Go ahead, Dell. No, I was gonna say I love getting him on my fantasy team so that I can make my fantasy team name. The player formerly known as Mike Stanton, uh, just <laughs> for just for that, he's worth it. Yeah, Stanton is incredible. I hate playing against him, like when the Rays have to play him, but uh, you love watching him every other time. He's just incredible. Um, so yeah, all right, all right, Russ. Um, what's your favorite or like go to beer? I know like it's hard to pick a favorite of things sometimes. So if you can't pick a favorite beer, what would be the your go to if you're if you're if you drink beer? Uh, first, I have to ask: Are you guys like beer snobs? Like, do I need to? No, no. Do I, I have to Bud name Light. something that you've never heard of? To no, 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 not at all. No. Mick uh, Ultra is is a staple in my in my fridge. Not. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. Um, but I, I will say it depends on the situation. Very often, um, it's getting to be you know pretty hot outside summer. Like my go to like at the bar in that case, it's like a Corona. Um, at Yankees games, their pinstripe Pilsner made by uh, a Brooklyn brewery is fantastic. Um, and also, uh, I don't, I happen to be a big fan of sours, and Brooklyn sour is amazing. Um, but honestly, I, I'll, I'll try pretty much anything. Not a big, um, not a big like heavy IPA guy. But other than that, I'm fi- I feel you with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I definitely feel you with that. Are you, when it comes to evaluating talent, are you more of a stat nerd or an eye test guy, like a he's got that dog in him kind of guy, or like a, just a good healthy blend of both in terms of talent evaluation? 
Um, I lean more towards the analytics, uh, but I understand that you need to have a combination of both to really um, understand the game. And I say that because stats are there to bring clarity to what you're seeing on the court or on the field. And the numbers mean nothing if you don't have the actual on-court, on-field context to back them up. Um, And and I like saying that, and I like, you know, making my arguments with a strong, like, analytical basis. But come on, you can't watch sports and not say he's got that dog in him. You you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, there's sometimes when people are just feeling it, and you can mm -hmm. tell, and it doesn't matter what the stats say. Like, I always go back to Damian Lillard pulling that, like, 40 foot three oh, yeah. over Paul I, George. And it was like, that's a bad shot. Like statistically Paul George, right. It is a bad shot, but he had that dog in him. You know what I mean? Like he, that's he, the thing. It, he was feeling it. <laughs> and, and you see it, I think in the NBA more, more than anywhere else where yeah. like, you don't have to know. You could know nothing about the team you're watching. You could know nothing about any of the players. Once someone gets going, it's very clear who's getting the ball yeah. and who should get the ball. Yeah. Uh, so I I get it. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and listen, we're, we're baseball fans. I think it's very clear who I don't want at the plate in a big uh, oh, in a yeah. big spot too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's it's Brandon Lau. Get that bum off my team. He doesn't perform <laughs> in any postseason. He's just a regular season pony. You know, whatever. whatever. Uh, Dal, why don't you go ahead and ask the next question? I did not expect Brandon Lau slander on the pod. No um, one does, but he deserves <laughs> it because he's a bum. I guess. Uh, do you ever play any pickup hoops? Oh boy, I haven't in a long time. Um, That's kind of how you probably I am too. can't. You can't tell from this video, but I am incredibly short. Uh, so, if I wasn't going to be playing basketball, uh, covering it's the next best thing. Uh, so <laughs> that my my. Uh, Pro dream for Dash probably around middle school. <laughs> well, when you do play, who's your who's your game comp to? I I like to think of myself as like a much slower Goran Dragic. Okay, uh, kind of like later in his career, Goran Dragic. Connor says he's j- peak JJ Redick. He actually said he's better than JJ Redick. So, I never said um, that. Why did you that, even? You keep on adding you lies it, to it. it. No, nope, here's the thing. It. I've actually, I'm going to change it up because it's more of a, I'm a light, like a, I'm a short white version of, of PJ Washington. Cause like, okay. I got the three, but I also like for something, because my, my size, Jeez. even though I'm not tall, I'm just incredibly fat. Uh, I have to play down in the paint on defense and just, just stand up with my hands up. So uh, yeah, that's, that's more of a, my style. But if you had to pick anybody pro uh, college to, to represent how you play ball, when you do play pickup hoops, would who would it be? Um, you know what you said, JJ Redick, and I think I'm going to go with a combination of college JJ Redick and college Grayson Allen. I love it. I actually because hate it, but I love it. I know, I know. <laughs> and, and but here's why. Um, as I said, I'm very short, but there's one one thing that I could always do is shoot and trip I could make people. a shot. And. <laughs> And because I'm very short and not physically gifted at all, I have to play dirty. <laughs> and so like I'll throw that. an elbow or I'll trip like someone that. because that's the only way I'm getting like anything it. done. Yeah. I like that. So I'll I knock like down it. a shot and I'll trip someone. So Grayson Allen plus J.J. <laughs> Reddick. This seems perfect. 
All right, so kind of a thing we wanted to, to go through here was, uh, I think Connor put together in our notes a, a UConn all-time starting five and a six-man. Uh, but want to kind of hear your thoughts on who would be your starting five all-time uh, for the UConn men's team. And you can feel free to throw in a six-man as well. All right, well, I, I think you had uh, four of the five correct answers. Woohoo! Okay. I'll uh, take it. Kemba is correct. 80%. <laughs> Ray Allen is correct. Rip Hamilton is correct. Okafor is correct. I Cliff Robinson, I think, yeah. is an excellent choice. And you you can make that argument. I would but, replace him with Danielle Marshall. Yeah, that was that was kind of what I was thinking was like you can almost switch those two. I went with Cliff Robinson because that's the name I know. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's why we wanted to get your opinion on it, because you would know better than you know, like we would, especially in their time at UConn too. That's another yeah. thing is that when we do this, we talked about um, USC last week. We were picking dudes that we knew, and mainly we knew from the NBA. We didn't know in their time from USC. So I want. That's why I'm excited to have you on and talking about this because we definitely wanted to hear your thoughts on UConn uh, players, these players at UConn specifically. And I think Kemba and Ray Allen were the easiest two choices that I could have made here. Oh yeah, uh, by far. You know, just it's incredible. Uh, but what is your what is your thoughts on the six man there? All right, so six man, you you had Ben Gordon or Shabazz, both very good options, I think. Um, I would probably go Gordon. Um, now that's fair. Kem- Kemba and Shabazz did play together for a year. They won a yeah. national championship together. So oh, like, we know that's great. Uh, We're well know. aware. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, I I think Gordon could do a little bit more. Uh, than Shabazz could. Now, Shabazz could take over a game more so than Gordon, but you already have Kemba Walker there. Gordon, I I think, was a little bit more versatile offensively. Agreed, yeah. And also that uh, the 2004 UConn team always has a – I have a soft spot for, so I I would lean towards that. I have one more question on all-time UConn. So – with with that, you had Kemba, Ray Allen, Rip Hamilton. Um, who is your four again? I said Danielle Marshall. Danielle Marshall and Emeka Okafor. Yep. One, I was surprised that uh, Andre Drummond didn't get mentioned like at all throughout that. Yeah, Okafor was definitely just like better. UConn. Yeah, that's true. Uh, also. You know, if you're talking like a NBA guys and and how they performed in the NBA, yeah. absolutely. Uh, but Drummond in his year at UConn was very good for stretches and was, I think, I think he frustrated a lot of fans as well because he was one of those guys where you could see undeniable talent, like way too good to be playing college basketball yeah. at that time. Um, and yet it wouldn't always shine through. Mm. Um, and, and that year that he played, I think, was a very frustrating year in general. They underachieved. I, I think they ended up being a nine seed. It was after that 2011 championship, and they just they kind of flamed out. And so I think that kind of left a, you know, that that's part of the reason I don't think Drummond is remembered the way. Yeah, you know, maybe an NBA fan would think. Yeah, yeah definitely. I actually saw uh, Andre Drummond and Kyrie Irving when I studied abroad in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. The FIBA, oh, really? the FIBA championships were there. Andre Drummond is the largest human I've ever <laughs> oh, seen gigantic. in my entire life. Yeah, it was like 
it was one of those like like I was standing here. This is a very visual thing for uh, audio, <laughs> audio podcast. Medium. But uh, like he was standing here, and like I could have looked like on both sides of him, and I would still not even have been close to be able to like look around. And he was just the widest human ever. He's, yeah, he is humongous. It is uh, absolutely wild to me that he dated Sam for my Carly. Like, just that, I was about to bring that up. <laughs> I was about to bring that up. It's like my weirdest, weirdest Andre Drummond fact. Yeah, those uh, memes went nuts, man. Like, those memes were so <laughs> bad. <laughs> my, my, my favorite UConn NBA facts was that, that Drummond dated <laughs> Sam for my Carly, and that someone stole Charlie Villanueva's toilet. Oh, well, I didn't know that second one, but that's pretty, oh, pretty Google incredible. Google Charlie Villanueva toilet. Like, it's hilarious. <laughs> like, I'm on my work to... computer. Should I do it? Should I no, wait till I, I get home? Nah, yeah. you wait till you get home. Okay. But he okay. just he posts a picture of, like, a bathroom with just a hole in it now. <laughs> <laughs> Someone came in and stole my toilet. That's, that's awesome. wild. That's, yeah. All right. So um, we'll talk about UConn's men's offseason ahead of us now. So... There's a lot of departing players. Do you want to you want to give us a rundown of who's leaving, um, especially those of importance? I don't want to say that there's an an unimportant player, but obviously there's some more uh, percentage of possessions used being let is leaving. A good portion of that is leaving. So, can you give us a rundown of who's leaving that we should be aware of for UConn this uh, this year? Yeah. So this was always going to be a year where you kind of had to hit the transfer portal hard and they did that. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, but it's because they were losing RJ Cole and losing Tyrese Martin and Cole was their point guard. He was one of the best point guards in the big East felt like he was a little underrated nationally. Uh, he was, a, if you remember a transfer from Howard where he led the nation in scoring uh, came to UConn, took him, he had he played two seasons. One was the COVID shortened twenty twenty to twenty twenty one season, where he was still kind of getting his legs under him, and he was great at times. And then this year he really took over, and he was great. And then there was Tyrese Martin, who by the end of the season uh, was probably UConn's best three point shooter, uh, super athletic guy, one of those guys who's got that dog in him. Uh, there <laughs> there were certainly times where you wanted the ball in his hands. Um, so they were always going to lose two really productive pieces. And I think with the way that this season transpired, it became clear that you were going to get some transfers too. Um, and, and that's because uh, Rasul Diggins, one of the transfers, um, mm-hmm. was clear he wasn't ready to play uh, at this level. Um, and he was either going to stick it out or go to, you know, step down a level and try to contribute. So that wasn't really a surprise. He ended up at UMass. Uh, Jalen Gaffney was R.J. Cole's backup. And I think it was clear that for UConn to be effective next year, they were going to have to recruit over him. And so you can't blame a guy for seeing that he's being recruited over and leaving the program. Uh, So he did. And then a cook a cook was an interesting one. Because when he played, he was very effective. And I think he played well enough that a lot of fans thought he should have played more. Now, the weird thing here is he was coming off of a pretty devastating injury. So there's always like more going on behind the scenes than the fans really know about. And I'm not exactly sure how healthy he was or how much he was available to be used. Um, but it didn't come as much of a shock to me that he transferred. 
I don't say um, his numbers really dropped off. Like his playing time really dropped off in yeah. Diggs' play, right? And, and and I can't I can't even really tell you why. He he provided them really quality minutes, um, but you know he and ended up leaving, going to Georgetown, um, and he's one. Obviously, I hope they all succeed at where where they go. Uh, a cook, most of all, because I think he got the the rawest deal at UConn. Um, and again, I don't know everything that was going on, but it, it felt like he should have gotten more of a chance than he got. Right. Yeah, d- I definitely agree with that. I mean, just for the the listener who might not know exactly a Coca Cooks stats, he averaged thirteen point nine minutes per game. Uh, but I feel like a lot of his presence is felt in things that you don't, uh, you can't log on a stat sheet. So, cause he only averaged 3.4 points per game, 3.2 rebounds a game and 0.3 assists a game, but his percentage used, uh, like per possession was 11.4. So he was being used. Uh, he, I don't think, like I said, I don't think a lot of the stuff that you, you can log on a stat sheet that he was doing. So, um, I know there's a couple other players that are there in the portal that weren't really super used. Uh, Rashul Diggins, I think you mentioned him, Isaiah Whaley and Tyler Poley. They're all three transferring as well. Oh, uh, Polly and Polly. Whaley both graduated. Okay. Yeah. Tra- graduated. Yeah, not sorry. Transferred. I should have, I completely forgot. Isaiah oh, Whaley two years ago was big East defensive player of the year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, was really a, a glue guy on this team. Um, him and, and Adama Sonogo were the two, mm-hmm. uh, their two front court players and Willie, uh, played five years at UConn. And so he was here actually Polly as well. They were both there during the lowest moments of the program Yeah, and both played a huge role in making them relevant again. Uh, for Whaley, it was his, uh, his defense and at times he could score. Um, but also just from a leadership perspective from Polly, he had some stretches where he was an amazing shooter mm-hmm. and there was a game in 2020, uh, they were at Marquette and you kind of like kind of needed, a needed to beat a good team to really feel like this was moving in the right direction. And they played a good first half against Marquette and Marquette came out and blitzed them start of the second half, went up 17 and, Polly caught fire from <laughs> from that point, and it was one of the best runs I've ever seen a UConn team go on. They ended up winning the game by double digits after trailing by seventeen in the second half. Yeah, uh, and like so, he's going to be remembered for games like that. Oh, uh, for sure. So that's yeah. also that's also a big loss losing losing Whaley and Polly. Yeah, because both of them. I mean, Polly averaged twenty point two minutes uh, minutes per game, and Whaley averaged twenty eight point five minutes per game. So like that's a lot of minutes to have to fill. Uh, but this whole this whole offseason, I feel like you guys are having to fill. Um, so mentioning some returning players, we mentioned Sonogo. What other players of um, interest should we mention in returning for the Huskies here? Uh, Andre Jackson, number one. He is he's a guy he didn't contribute much as a freshman. I think he was a little out of his element. He improved greatly freshman year to sophomore year. He. No lie, as a freshman, had the ugliest looking shot I've ever seen. <laughs> he still has the ugliest looking shot I've ever seen, but it goes in a lot more now. And it's all that he's never going to be a good shooter, but like you need something. And mm-hmm. he improved offensively. 
Uh, he is the most athletic player UConn has had since Stanley Robinson. So in about a decade, uh, maybe more athletic than him. Like he is going to have some highlight reel dunks. And he already has had some. Um, he, we kind of joked about this last year when Gaffney was really struggling that when Cole isn't in the game, Jackson is their best point guard, even though he's not a point guard. <laughs> he just, he has, he has really good vision. He makes some of the dumbest passes you'll ever see sometimes, which, you know, you get from young guys who are handling the ball. Yeah. Uh, but when he like, he's either magic Johnson or he's unplayable <laughs> and like, there's no in between. If he takes a step up this year, uh, he can be all big East ca- caliber. Oh, wow. Okay. That's definitely not our name to keep an eye on for yeah. sure. Carter, just to put this into context in a language that I know that you will very much understand. Uh, one of the things we love, Russ, is the player comp, at least I love, is the player comp, like the similar two on Ken Palm. And his fourth oh, most uh, similar player his freshman year is Khalil Whitney. So that that's the that's super the athletic, kind of, can't yep, handle the ball, can't pass the sometimes. Kind of yeah. The, the yeah. player that we were talking about uh, as a yeah. freshman. And yeah, I mean, his he's an incredible rebounder for only being 6'6". His assist rate is high, like like you said, the turnover rate is super high. But he he definitely seems like that he could be someone that could really be uh, be on the rise. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Another pl- another name I saw Jordan Hawkins. Is that is that yep. another name to watch for too? Yeah. So Hawkins was a freshman this year. Um, really, the only player from this freshman class that lived up to. The billing, a little inconsistent, as you would see f- from freshmen. Yeah. Um, but made some pretty big shots this season. Um, the only thing that kind of concerned me is that uh, he has a confidence problem. And I don't know if you remember the the game against Auburn they played in the Bahamas. Oh, they went to double overtime. Couldn't forget it. That was incredible. That was such a fun game. So, so UConn isn't in position to win the game without Hawkins. He had a really good, I think, second half of that game. Uh, made a boneheaded turnover in the final mm-hmm. seconds, I think, of regulation. Gave it up, let Auburn tie the game. And then from there, it was like, I mean, you saw him like hanging his head on the sideline. And from there, he was nowhere to be found for weeks. Uh, but when he did come back and kind of start to get it going again, he was really good. So, you know, if he can take a step, um, then, I mean, he's, I, I won't say he's going to be all Big East like Jackson, uh, but he could be a very important part to this team. And he's going to, yeah. he's going to be because he's going to have to start this year, I think. Uh, he'll probably start at the two. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last name I notice is uh, Samson Johnson. Uh, but he, I mean, he's a forward, average five minutes a game. Didn't really see the court a lot, obviously. And can you tell us anything about him, or do you think he's kind of just going to be buried in the bench? Uh, I don't think he's going to be buried because UConn's not going to have the depth uh, to bury him Fair in, enough, in the front yeah. court. Uh, <laughs> Fair he's enough. Somebody, he's somebody who Dan Hurley was very high on going into last season. And then, like, it was kind of a mystery why he wasn't playing until yeah. Johnson got a chance to play, and it was very clear why he wasn't playing. Um, <laughs> but uh, Johnson, in media day last year, I asked Dan Hurley about Samson Johnson. And he called him front court book night. 
And I was like, okay, I've that yeah. you have my attention. I'm interested. <laughs> um, he just, I don't know exactly how that like translates. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think he, he meant like the athleticism of Book Knight in a forward's body. Yeah, which is very intriguing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. He just he wasn't very strong this year. He didn't have uh, didn't have the best instincts. Stuff that you hope comes with a year of experience. What I, I was very pleasantly surprised that he did not transfer. Uh, because I, I think he knows. I, I hope it means that he knows that he has potential. Yeah. Um, and that he knows that he's going to have to earn his spot, which he is. Uh, kind of something that's been in the back of my mind most of this offseason as UConn has made these moves in the portal is that Dan Hurley said, I think, very, very close to the end of the season, he said the next year they're going to be more of a four out team with Sonogo in the middle. Um, so they need guards, yeah. and, and that's what they went and got. Um, but now you'll have with Sonogo, um, top 50 freshman Donovan Klingon, uh, Samson Johnson, and then a guy, Alex Caravan, a, a freshman who I'm not exactly sure where he's going to play. He could be more of a three or a four. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's probably going to p- depend on the circumstance. Um, so, the, like, they have some pieces there. Johnson's going to get his his chances. Um, I just I don't know exactly what the minutes distribution is going to look like between him, Sonogo, and Klingon. Yeah. Well, you you kind of you touched on it there on incoming players, and you mentioned those guys. Uh, can you give us some insight on the incoming transfers that you have? I know you have a guy from East Carolina, another guy from Virginia Tech, and another one from Texas A and M. Can you kind of give us a rundown on those on those players coming in from the transfer portal? Yeah, so uh, Tristan Newton is from ECU. He's the biggest name um, on the list, and he was ranked pretty high, you know, among the best transfers in the country. And he's going to be the point guard. He's going to be the R.J. Cole replacement. Um, similar player in that he can score a ton if you need him to. He, he can distribute, get other guys involved. I'm excited to see him play. He's going to have to be great from from day one if you, if you count yeah. him to be any good. Uh, from Virginia Tech... And I bear with me a second because I want to make sure that I get the pronunciation right. N- yeah, Naheem I'm with Aline. you. Naheem Aline. Yeah, that's why I'm pretty sure that's correct. I guessed on that one too last night when I was writing this up. So for sure, I'd, yeah. I'd, I was waiting for you to say it because I didn't want to yeah. screw it up. <laughs> Aline is correct for the last yeah. name. Oh, I know yeah. that. Aline is correct. Yeah, um, the thing Aline. that's intriguing about him is that he is a very good shooter, mm-hmm. which is something UConn needs. Um, Hurley was asked at the end of the season, you know, after they were upset by New Mexico State uh, about Adama Sinogo, their their center, because he really struggled down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And one thing Hurley said is that we need to surround him with better shooters, uh, because if Sinogo is your primary offensive option, you're putting a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. Um, and he should be somebody who can suck up rebounds, who can score for sure, um, but who also can pass out of the post and yep. find somebody who could shoot. Yep. And fans really criticized him last year for not doing that. But the fact of the matter is when UConn would dump the ball into Sonogo, they would stand around and wait for him to do something. Yeah. And so who are you going to pass it back out to at that point? Yeah, exactly. So he, he was forced to take a lot of really honestly bad shots. 
And so if you have somebody like Aline who could maybe do what Tyler Polly did, but more consistently and, and knock down shots, that's going to help a lot. And uh, last guy is Hassan Diara mm-hmm. from Texas A&M. Yep. Um, and he's kind of a legacy player for UConn, right? His, his dad played for UConn? Uh, his brother. His brother. His older brother, who is still on staff at UConn, he was a graduate okay. assistant. Oh, cool. Um, he was a a top 100 recruit whose career was cut short just with injuries. Um, could never really get it together, so he stayed on as a, as an assistant and a grad assistant. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a promotion now because there is a spot open for uh, director of player development now. So I, I think he's going to end up in that role. But nice. anyway, Hassan Diara is... Um, going to be a good uh, depth piece to have off the bench. Um, something that I'm kind of excited about with him is that even though his numbers weren't great last year in the postseason, which would span, you know, a couple of SEC tournament games and then uh, the NIT where they went all the way to the championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he shot 12. He shot 12 <laughs> of 22 from three. They beat they beat Wake, which is why I say that. They beat Wake. Okay. <laughs> uh he shot twelve of twenty two from three. So like he got it going at the end. So it it you know, having someone else who could come in and make a shot, great. Um, but really they just needed someone who could give them minutes. Yeah. Um, because you don't know what you're gonna get out of um somebody who I expect to join the team, Stephen Castle. Okay. Or Stefan Castle. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hold on, I want to make sure I get that. <laughs> the pronunciation, because he's probably listening to this podcast as we speak. Well, <laughs> no, no but, but UConn fans will make fun of me. It's Stefan Castle is my... Stefan Castle. Castle, I'm sorry. No, I'm just um, with you. Uh, Highly touted a recruit, a guard who I expect to reclassify and join the team. Okay. Um, but regardless, like you needed another warm body and yeah. DR is going to be that. And listen, his numbers aren't great, but he scored, you know, six points a game or whatever in, in the sec. Like at least it shows that he can play minutes at, at a high level. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what they needed out, out of that roster spot, because you're going to end up now with a really strong starting five and you just need guys who could fill the gaps. And, and he's one of them. Definitely. Yeah, I, definitely. As we, we are both Kentucky fans, uh, Kind of like first and foremost, but I went to Wake Forest, so I actually got to see uh, Aline play in person against. I think they played Saint Bonaventure, uh, and I I honestly really like his game a lot. He plays bigger than his like six two listing, uh, and like you said, he can he can shoot the lights out pretty well. I think even this year he was a little bit down compared to what he has been in the past. Um, so. I, I think that's a really big addition, especially like you said with Sonogo. You almost kind of need guys that are on the level where they're not going to just throw it in, like you said, and just be like, "All right, now he's going to do something." Uh, getting that off-ball movement is is going to be really big once the yeah. ball gets into the paint. Uh, and my my hope is that with the weapons they have now, you know, if Newton comes in and steps into Cole's spot, and yeah. now you have. Aline, who is probably a better shooter than anyone that they had on the team last year. You have Jackson, who hopefully is a better offensive player than he was as a sophomore. Um, you, you have all these different weapons. I hope that takes the pressure off of everybody a little bit. And in so doing, you know, a guy like Aline is going to get better looks. Yep. Yeah. And he's not going to have to 
take on maybe as much of an offensive load as he would have otherwise had to. And and the same could be said for Sonogo and, and Newton as well. For sure. Definitely, yeah. All right, man. Well, this has been fun. I appreciate you uh, doing your input on this. Now, I just have to ask, with all you, you mentioned of, of a reclass here, but let's say there's one roster spot left and you could add any transfer any incoming freshman that's not committed anywhere so that includes anyone that's in the draft currently like leonard miller or you know fill in the blank who would you add to this yukon starting five um can i say a transfer that they didn't go after that i wish they did absolutely yeah um i would have liked to see them go after Jaden delaire from stanford Mm mm-hmm uh, I think he ended up going to San Diego, actually. Um, but he's a guy who's from Connecticut. He is a six-nine forward who is like usable, mm-hmm. and I want them to have one more front court player who has played serious minutes at a serious program. Yeah. Um, in addition to Sonogo, because I think I think Klingon's going to be great eventually, but he's a freshman. Uh, I know the staff is really high on Johnson and I trust them, but also I saw him last year. <laughs> um, like it's, I, I want somebody who can spell Sonogo or that they could play with Sonogo um, if, if they need to. Uh, and I think Delaire would have filled that role very nicely. I don't know if, if they're done in the portal. I think they are. That's kind of my gut. Yeah. Um, but if they're not, I would like to see them get somebody of that mold. See, I'm I'm going to go a little left field here, probably. And then this is obviously not a scoop or anything. Nobody knows uh, anything about this, but I'm going to go Keontae Johnson. I feel like you look at this, the makeup of this roster, you have a good front court piece. You have a good back court piece. You, you don't have that wing, that uh, that athletic wing per se. And I think Keontae Johnson's your guy here. Obviously, he's having some off-court issues that you'd have to worry about, but I think I think he could fit. Um, he could fit on this UConn team and be a really good piece for them. To be honest with you, um, yeah. If you're talking strictly uh, basketball, yes, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Um, his off-court stuff would be a non-starter for me. That's yeah, just yeah. personally, absolutely, I would, would yeah. not touch that. Um, and and then also, fair or not, you have to worry about his health. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, incredibly scary moment uh, when he collapsed uh, a couple years ago, and crazy. Mm-hmm. It's just you don't know what you're going to get from him. If he didn't have those other off court issues, then I would say take a flyer on him and yeah, and see what you get. Um, and it, that's for that reason, I, I I get what you're saying. I, mm-hmm. I think that would be. Yeah, just on court, just on court stuff for sure. Uh, another name that would be interesting, and I think would transfer well to or translate, not transferred, but translate well to UConn would be Brian Antoine from Villanova. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. That that's another name that I think that would, if they haven't reached out, they should definitely reach out. Uh, but you know, he's still uncommitted and he's a good player. I, I like Brian Antoine. I've been high on him since day one, but that's just me. Dallas, yeah. I mean, we, ha- we haven't seen a ton of him. Obviously. Yeah. Because he's played on loaded teams. Yeah. 
Um, he, he's one of those guys that like for some reason and uh i play a lot of 2k and like i do like you know like the my career not career but the gm or whatever the so GM version. yeah so you download like the the draft classes he's always super high on those for like for some reason like he's always really? like really high on there and and every once in a while like i'll take a second round pick on him and he will just be an absolute bucket for like whatever team i have going <laughs> it's, it's pretty right. awesome so uh but you know like 2k is definitely not the uh the gospel here when it comes to basketball well, but, but listen though at, at this point in the off season you're gonna whoever you're getting you're taking a chance on oh yeah, to some yeah. degree so especially if in the you see that portal, potential yeah. in him why not like worst case scenario is he's another Again, another warm body to have off the bench. Absolutely, absolutely. Dal, um, is there is there any player that you would like to see added that they would uh, reach out to in the transfer portal or an uncommitted recruit? Um, one that kind of popped out was uh, Josh Minot, the guy at the – I think he was a former five-star. Maybe he was just a four-star, but coming from Memphis. I feel like any of those Memphis guys that are transferring, yeah, he was a four-star as a recruit. He's six yeah. eight one seventy five. Um, he would just be kind of like you said. I think the wing is the spot where I was kind of looking as I was yeah. going through the transfer portal. Sonogo is just so good. I just wouldn't want to put anyone to take away from him. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, right? Yeah, yeah I'm with you. On Honestly, Keon Brooks actually would, wouldn't be. Granted, that I think Keon Brooks kind of fits in pretty much any system, but yeah, uh, he wouldn't be a bad a bad option either. Because, yeah, I mean, take away, like, you don't even have to take away anything. Kentucky fans are just so jaded from because he was on two historically, technically historically bad teams, whatever. Uh, you take away the the fact that he was on a team that didn't make the tournament and Kentucky fans would love him, but, you know, whatever. So, Agreed. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I've got one more that, again, you're taking a big risk, but mm -hmm. why the hell not? Yeah. Uh, Patrick Baldwin. Oh, for sure. Yeah. PBJ. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, are big, we are big PBJ stands here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, listen, he, he wasn't what we expected him to be at Milwaukee. That's no. fair. He was still a top five player in his class. Right. Yeah. Like, or top 10 or, or whatever yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. He was a five oh, star. Was, oh, yeah. It was like, definitely top five. I think you, I just think he didn't have a good coach and unfortunate. That it's his dad. Unfortunately, that's his dad. <laughs> yeah. so. I, I, I mean, and we were talking earlier about like how guys kind of have to force up bad shots when they don't have mm -hmm. talent around him. And oh, I'm he sure was, that was a prime. He example. was the ultimate. Like Absolutely. all of his, yeah, all of his shots incredibly contested, off the yeah. dribble, yeah. like uh, just. You feel for the kid because you, you know yeah. you could tell he he just wanted to be you know he wanted to play for his dad and that loyalty there, but. Yeah. His dad should have done right by him, like, just go to Duke, you know, just go to Duke. I'm going to get fired anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but now he, his dad could join Kentucky staff and then, you know, Baldwin comes yeah. to Kentucky. We'll see. We'll so see. <laughs> whoever wants him should just hire his dad. Absolutely. That's, that's yeah. Enough. Kentucky has an open, an open, they have an open spot. roster spot. Uh, and I've so been saying like, that. I've been saying from day know. one, like, ever since Cade Cunningham, his brother got hired at oklahoma state that you know you should always leave just an open roster spot for any family member that wants to be on a college basketball staff just, and then you bring them him. yeah just yeah we'll get we'll have pbj this year we'll have pat or we'll have uh, dj wagner next year you know just 
I'm fine yeah. with it. I'm go for it. I'm good for it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, this has been incredibly fun. I appreciate you taking the time to come on um, the podcast here. So we wanted to give you an opportunity to just kind of plug anything that you wanted here. And uh, we, we kind of nixed a question earlier, but this includes any podcasts that you currently do or any, any medium, any entertainment, any sports coverage. Well, go ahead and take this time to share what uh, our listeners should listen to or watch or read or, or, what it, or whatever you have for us. All right. Well, f- first things first, I, sh- I should shout out Boardroom, where, where I work full time. Boardroom.tv is the site covering everything sports business, culture, pretty much anything that a sports fan is interested in, uh, be it sports or music or fashion or you know, crypto, anything. Um, so that that's first thing. I'm a writer and editor there. I also have a, a, a podcast that I host with my friend Meredith. We cover uh, women's college basketball. So if you're a fan of the women's game, uh, it's called Brawl Don't Lie. Uh, we took a break after the final four because we we're both exhausted, but we'll be updating, talking about, I think, the transfer portal, hopefully this week or next. So we'll be back. Uh, so again, that's Brawl Don't Lie. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Russ underscore Steinberg, S-T-E-I-N-B-E-R-G. Well, awesome. I appreciate you doing that. Dal, do you have anything that you want to plug right now? Um, no, not really. I'll, I'll use instead of my plug, I'll ask one more follow-up question. Who's going to be the player of the year in women's college basketball this year? You know my answer. You don't. <laughs> why are you even I asking? That? I figured. Like, it's. I'll. I'll say this. Um, if did you watch their game against NC State in the Elite Eight? Ooh, I did not catch the Elite Eight game. No. I have never seen a women's college basketball player take over a game like like Paige Beckers did in She's the good. second half and and in the two overtimes. It, it, it was incredible. I might have to go back she and, asked me my and pick. check that out. No, uh, go back and watch it. it it's amazing. I figured um, that was the pick. And uh, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, maybe Ilya Boston. <laughs> maybe Ilya Boston. Fine. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm going to use my little spot in the last call to plug. Uh, my, we have a spring game. I coach high school football. If you don't know, we have a spring game this Friday night. Uh, it's a pretty important game for us because it's a it's a crosstown rival and uh even though it doesn't matter any for anything this is our first time head coach so uh getting a win would would take us to new heights as a program so definitely keep us in your thoughts and prayers and uh shout out Antlet sharks for that so yeah we will wrap this thing up so uh, to our listeners, we would ask if you can like, rate, leave a review, and share this episode. Russ, we appreciate you coming on, man, and uh, we, we'd love to interact with any of your followers and UConn followers. We don't really have a lot of UConn followers, so we're hoping that— well, they'll by, find you. Yeah, they'll find they'll us. Find bump that up. <laughs> if we could bump that don't up, worry. that'd be fantastic because uh, we definitely want to provide great content for them. We cover all of college basketball, even though we are Kentucky fans. We try to cover all of college basketball, so we do appreciate you coming on and uh, taking you know, an hour out of your time to uh, just come and share about UConn hoops. I love, appreciate, I love it. Last question I do have for you: Who is your favorite UConn logo? We went, I posted it yesterday. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> which which year was your favorite UConn logo? Uh, it's the uh, the one where he's carrying the musket. Okay, musket I dig Husky's it. Husky's my favorite. I dig That's it. A good one. Love yeah, I, I have a question for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. actually. If I didn't mean to cut you off, no, you're good. Um, 
just because I've I've seen how Kentucky fans react to some things, like on Reddit. Oh God! I have to ask you if we get to if we get to selection Sunday next year, and forget whatever the seeds might be, if UConn is in Kentucky's pod, are you shitting your pants over it? It just depends because on the regular season. I I feel like Kentucky fans have been traumatized by three tournament losses to you. <laughs> I will not That's be, fair. but there will be a large majority of the fan base that I'm sure. Yeah. I yeah. feel like, and, and Kentucky's probably going to be better. Will probably be better than you can, but I feel like they'll go, fuck. Yep. No, it, <laughs> it'll definitely bad. happen, especially with, because Kentucky fans are just incredibly negative yeah, by nature. Always. Even, yeah. even, As are UConn fans, I know. Even yeah. during the like good seasons, but with the lack of uh a tournament for the covid year and then a 9 and 16 year last year and then a first round tournament loss the negativity is an is at it's an all time high. high all time so high, yeah. uh we have so people yeah, complaining no, it, about we have people complaining about returning a, a bob Cousy uh, award finalist coming back like yeah, it's people are unserious in the big blue nation it's uh, incredible People so, are kind of just, happy I didn't give my Adama Sonogos the best returning big man in the country take. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's not true. It's not true. He's going to be it's great not, at I, Kentucky, not, not this upcoming year. He's going to be great at Kentucky the following year when he transfers to Kentucky. That's a take I've seen a lot, and I'm, and I'm definitely pushing that agenda as a Kentucky fan. Oh, if I were fan. a Kentucky fan, that would absolutely be my take, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, this has been incredibly fun again. I just, I just thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight here so uh we won't we won't take any more time we appreciate you coming on again and uh like to all the yukon listeners we are kentucky fans but we're not yukon haters so we'd love to interact with you go uh go share this episode and follow us and we'll definitely give you more shout outs and russ will definitely we'll have you on at, at some point again during the regular season it'd be incredibly fun for us so we appreciate you coming right. on man. forward to it thank you yeah appreciate you guys it. take care